Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, good morning, Harrison Faith. I hope you're excited to be here and be in the house of God. And um, I have a hard time today, so you're going to have to bear with me. Uh, when the board asked me if I wanted to uh, speak today, um, I, without hesitation, said yes, because I felt like God laid something on my heart, and um, even before they asked, um, I felt like God had laid something on my heart, so um, if you know me at all, you know that uh, I'm usually pretty reserved about preaching, and um, I know, try it coming from a minister, it's odd to hear, but... Um, Anyways, I really felt like God had laid something on my heart, but then as a, as a minister, one of the first things you start doing is you're like, how do you want us to close? Lord, how, how's the surface supposed to go? How's it supposed to end? So, um, the reason I'm using a stool is because I threw my back out, and um, so the devil's fighting, but he loses um, so it's fine, but I think there's another reason that my back got thrown out. I feel like God allowed it, um, because I'm a very active person. I don't like to set much, but sometimes I think we need to sit and listen for God's voice. So sometimes we need to slow down in a very busy world and I guess he figured the easiest way to slow me down was to put me flat on my back, um, which is fine. Um, but as I was praying about how uh, to close this service, um, we're going to preach today about going to the next level. I think Pastor Caleb has something up there. And church, I believe this with all my heart. That's where we're headed. We're headed to the next level. Young people, are you ready to have a camp experience right here today? If you are, I want you to begin to prepare your hearts. Estella, I know you don't know me, but last night, as I was praying, God says he sees your tears, and he knows the tenderness of your heart. I don't know what that's about, but I believe with all my heart that God says that to you. Wednesday night, I told Ryan to have the men ready for this morning's service. And uh, when God laid it on my heart, I really didn't know why. I felt kind of awkward even telling him that. But uh, men, you need to be ready this morning. So I'm asking you to begin to prepare your hearts right now. You need to begin to pray. Prayer team, you're on the prayer team for a reason. Because, brother, Randy believes that you can touch God and you can touch heaven, so I need you to begin to prepare your hearts for the service and what's going to happen at the end. Okay, so uh, be prepared. Camp doesn't have to always be at camp. 
You can reach God anywhere, anytime, any place, by your bed, in the shadows, when you're alone or you feel alone, you can reach him anywhere. Anyways, we're going to the next level. T.D. Jakes once said, don't allow your past or present condition to control you. It's just the process that you're going through to get you to the next level. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we can come to be in your house. And God, we're honored to even just be allowed to sit in your presence. To feel your spirit. To feel your anointing. God, I ask that you just help me to deliver the word that you've laid on my heart. And God, that you would just open up our hearts and minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to turn your Bibles, turn it in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to start. If you want to read this story, I would encourage you to go home this afternoon or sometime this week and read Genesis chapter 37 through 45, because I'm going to give you the very condensed version, because I don't really want to preach a long time. And I even gave Eugene the signal that if I hit 30 minutes, he's to stand up and wave his arms like nobody doesn't care. So I'll know that I have hit 30 minutes and I'm taking up too much of God's time. But the scripture says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, and Joseph's going to be our topic today. And note, teenagers, that he was 17 years old. Was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Billa and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So first tip is parents, don't favor your children. Love them all the same because it just causes bitterness and anger. But I want to set the stage here just a little bit, because when we think about Joseph, we always think about the coat of many colors, and we're going to go through the story just a little bit. But to kind of let you understand, when you first read these scriptures, Joseph was a tattletale. He was spoiled. He was arrogant. Typical teenager, right? Amen. That's how I was. I'm maybe not too spoiled, but I was definitely arrogant, and I was definitely a tattletale. My sister hated me. I was always telling on her. Um, but in the scripture, and I, I didn't want to take the time to read it all, but in the scripture, he, Joseph has a dream. And he has a dream of these sheaves bowing down to him, which represented his brothers. And there was 11 sheaves. He had 11 brothers. He was the youngest. And like I said, they hated him because he's always telling on them. He was the spoiled brat. He got the coat of many colors. They got their old tunics and they were out with the sheep, and he's hanging out with mom and dad around the fire, and who knows what they're doing, but he was spoiled. So in his arrogance, he comes up to them, and he says, hey, brothers, I had this dream. And I had this dream that these sheaves, they bowed down before me. And the brothers knew instantly what he meant, that he was saying, because 11 sheaves, 11 brothers, it didn't take a lot of rocket science to figure out what the arrogant Joseph was trying to say is, you're going to bow before me. And as you can imagine, with any older brother, I got any older brothers in the house? Yeah, probably pick on Caden occasionally, don't you? But if Caden was to come up and tell Colton, you're going to bow before me one of these days, I can only imagine how Colton would respond. He'd probably put him in a headlock and maybe ruffle up that pretty hair. Um, 
but it made him resent him all the more. But then Joseph goes back and he has another dream. But this time, the stars, the sun, and the moon bow before him. And in his arrogance, he still hasn't learned anything because I'm sure his brothers weren't too nice to him after he was bragging about how they were going to bow to him. He goes out and he tells us in front of his mom and dad, he says, hey, I had this dream, the stars, the sun, the moon, they're going to bow before me. So even dad's a little bit angry at this time and he scolds him and he rebukes him and he says, you know, you shouldn't talk like this. But it also says in the scripture that Jacob began to ponder these things in his heart. Because this is two dreams and I think God spoke to Jacob. But here's one thing I want to, to outline for you is that God has given some of you some dreams. Because see, God gave Joseph a dream when he was young, and I'm sure Joseph was excited because, I mean, just to hear God's voice, just to be in the presence of God, is that not exciting? I mean, as I said over there, and I don't, well, I cry a lot at church, (laughs) but I just felt the presence of God, and I could just feel it so heavy, and I begin to weep. So when you have a dream, you have to latch on to that dream, and you have to hang on to it for everything that it's worth, because when God gives you a promise, you hang on to it. It may not happen in the time that we think that it should happen, but it'll happen because God always fulfills his promises. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 4, it says, well, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. So Jacob, or Joseph goes to find his brothers. They went off. They're taking care of the sheep. They went to Shechem. Jacob sends them out and says, hey, go check on your brothers. He finds them. They're angry. They want to kill him, which sounds pretty violent. I mean, I don't think Colton would kill Caden, maybe rough him up. So it sounds pretty violent. But instead, one brother says, let's just throw him in this pit. We'll teach him a lesson. We'll, just, we'll throw him in there. We'll let him know he's not near as cocky as he thinks he is. We'll just take it out of him. So they throw him in the pit with the intent to kill him. But instead, they slow, sold him into slavery and eventually he gets sold to Potiphar, which Potiphar set under the king's command, and he was a servant to the king, to Pharaoh. And there's a reason for that. There were, Joseph wasn't accidentally sold to Potiphar. It was the plan. It was God had in store for him. Because to get Joseph to the next level, Joseph had to go through some things. He had to experience some things. So in Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 4, and this is what I want you to understand. First, keep in mind that God gave Joseph a dream. Secondly, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So he's a slave. He has no freedom. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. So no matter what situation you're in, God is with you. Because I'm sure, because you have to visualize this in your mind. The scriptures kind of leaves out the part where he gets sold to the slave traders. I'm sure they didn't treat him like a saint. So he's drugging chains and however long it took to get to Egypt, which could have been days, could have been weeks, months being abused, probably beaten, whatever the case may be, but he gets sold to Potiphar, which God had a reason. But God recognized Joseph and began to bless him. And the thing is that Potiphar could see God in Joseph's life. 
When you live for God and you serve God, even though you might make some mistakes, people will see God in your life. And the deal is, God's going to honor that because as Joseph began to do things for Potter, for he was a slave, so Potiphar said, go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that. But he began to notice that everything that Joseph laid his hand to, he began to prosper. So maybe Joseph began to think, maybe my dreams are going to come true here. Because something within me, and this is Clint, I don't have scripture to back this up, but I feel like in my heart that Joseph still held on to those dreams somewhere throughout his life, that he was holding on to that dream that God had given him. And he's like, God, I don't know why I'm in this situation because I see I served you. You gave me these dreams. You gave me these visions. You told me what I was going to be and what, what was going to happen, yet here I am trying to, to do what's right. I'm doing what's right, and yet I get sold into slavery. And then he begins to rise up, and he's doing well, and um, he's doing what God's called him to do. God's blessing Potiphar's house. He has control over everything. Everything that Potiphar has, he is given into control of Joseph, except for one thing, his wife. Well, the new... Living Translation says that Joseph was a handsome and well-built young man. So Potiphar's wife, she didn't exactly serve God. She saw a well-built, handsome young man, and she thought, I want that. She was probably spoiled, too, and used to getting whatever she wanted because Potiphar was rich. And probably men probably didn't turn her down. Maybe this wasn't her first occasion. I don't know. But she wanted Joseph because she could see what God was giving him. But see, this was a temptation that was set up. Because sometimes in life, you're going to face temptations, and you have to figure out, can you resist those temptations? You know, and I heard a wise man say not too long ago, sometimes we just need to check ourselves that we all have our weaknesses, and we need to take a look at them and make sure that we have them in control. But obviously, this wasn't Joseph's weakness, because as he comes in there, she's trying to convince him to lay with her. And she says no, or he says no, and he walks away, and he walks away, and she continues, and she continues, and she figures out that he's finally, he's not going to do it. So she catches him alone, and she's just going to force him. So she grabs him, and she grabs hold of his coat, and he freaks out so bad, he just yanks, and he runs off, and he leaves his coat laying with her, so she accuses him of rape. So what happens then? He gets thrown into prison. I mean, any man is going to be upset, Right? This dude tried to, I gave him control over, I gave him everything. I trusted him. I gave him everything I had except for my wife, and then he tried to take her too. So I can only imagine how Potiphar fell. I'm surprised he didn't kill him. Really, it had to be the hand of God over Joseph's life, even in that situation, because most men would have killed him, especially in those days. They didn't play games back then. Our system today is weak. You know, television, three square meals, weights, basketball goals, that's their prison. Nah. That's weak compared to what they did back then. So I'm surprised that Potiphar didn't kill him. It had to be the hand of God because God had a vision. God had a dream. God had a plan. God had something for him. God has something in store for each and every one of you, all of us. So he gets thrown into prison. Genesis 39, 21 through 23 says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, listen, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. 
Are you starting to see how God works? And I'm thinking in my mind, Joseph's human. Maybe he didn't recognize that God was prospering him. But the thing was that God was always with him. So what I want you to understand is that wherever you're at, God is always with you. When you're in those darkest moments and you feel like you're all alone, God is with you. Actually, to be honest with you, I think that's when God's with you the most. And you want to know why? It's because when we slow down and we begin to realize that we're just human and we're weak and we make mistakes and all God's asking us to do is to lean into him. That's all he wants. We're going to fail. I tell the youth back when I used to youth pastor and I still tell them today with the group that I lead, you don't want to follow me. I'll fail you. I'll make mistakes. Not that I want to, but I'm human, and if you follow me around long enough, at some point, I'll disappoint you. Not intentionally, but it's just, that's who we are. We're humans. Because, see, if, we, if I could be perfect, I had no need of Christ. I had no need of a Savior, but God knew that we couldn't live perfect lives, that we couldn't be like him. So that's why he had to come, and that's why he had to give his life so that we would have someone that we could lean into. But we get so caught up in ourselves. You know, Joseph was caught up in his arrogance and and all these different things. And I believe that through this process, for God to get Joseph through the next level, he had to experience some things. So God puts him over everything in the or puts him in a position that he's over everything in the prison. So long story short, instead of dreaming dreams. Joseph started interpreting dreams. He interprets the baker and the butler's dream, and they come to pass, just as he stated. And he asked one thing. When you're put back into your position, just don't forget me. What happened? They forgot him, right? Because I could imagine, maybe Joseph was hopeful. He's like, here's these people. They had the ear of the king. One of them's not. (laughs) One only thing he got was his head off by the king. But the other one was put back into position of power as Joseph had predicted. And he said, all I want you to do is remember me. Can you imagine the loneliness? He's been abandoned by his brothers, cast into a pit. They were hoping that he died because they hated him. So he had no one. He's a stranger. He's not even in his home country anymore. He's in Egypt. It's not where he's from. It's not home. Anybody ever go on a long trip and you're gone for a few days? Kevin, you travel all the time go to another country, there's just something about coming home, right? No matter where you're at, like sometimes we joke about we might sell our house if our kids have babies off somewhere, which they better not. And I'm like, nope, I don't care if they have babies in France. This white boy is staying in that home because that is my home. We built it, I'm staying. Kim can go to France and be with the babies and I'll see her on the weekends. I don't know. But there's something about home, and Joseph was alone. And here he's gone through, and this is years that he's gone through this process. And he's like, God, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. I'm doing what you told me to do. And here I am all alone in a foreign land, all by myself. And the one time I ask somebody to remember me, they forget me. Even though I fulfilled my duties, I, I interpreted their dream. It came true. I gave to them. 
So for two more years, Joseph has to sit in the prison. And like I said earlier, it wasn't like our prisons today. You have to visualize this in your mind. The rats running around, the dirtiness. They don't get to bathe. I don't even know where they use the bathroom, but I can only imagine that that wasn't pleasant. But it wasn't like today. It was truly prison. You didn't want to go to their prisons. Like there's people nowadays, they don't even care if they go to prison because it's better than their home life. But it wasn't like that back then. It was terrible, desolate conditions. And for two more years, he has to sit there in those conditions. But then God begins to give Pharaoh dreams. Because see, God had a plan for Joseph's life. And no matter what condition and where he's at, God was still there. Even throughout those two years, God was right there by Joseph. Through the entire time, through every time, through every time a rat bit him or through the smell. I can only imagine what he smelled like. So Pharaoh has these dreams and nobody can interpret them. And then the butler remembers, hey, there was this guy. There was this Hebrew. And you want to know how I know Joseph smelled? Because before they brought him to Pharaoh, the Bible literally says they cleaned him up. So he must not have been in good shape. You know, they gave him some clean clothes and they got him all smelling pretty before he goes before Pharaoh. And he says, Pharaoh, I'll interpret your dreams. And he began, and he, he did interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And then Joseph was put into a position of power. Because Joseph said that if you can interpret these dreams, then you must be a man of wisdom. I want to ask the band to come back, please. Um, would you move those over there, please, sir? Um, His dreams finally come true. Thirteen years later. Brayden, God has a dream for you. Caleb told me that you at camp felt like you were called into ministry. You're going to face some rough roads, son. But God has a dream for you. He has a vision of what he wants you to do. You know, right now, he's got lives that only you can touch. So it is important that you hang on to that dream for everything that's within you because if not, there could be someone's life that you don't touch that only you can touch. So you have to hold on to that vision. You have to hold on to that dream because we're all from different lives, different backgrounds, different circumstances. There's people that you can touch that I'll never touch. They won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. There's people that I can touch that you'll never touch. So you have to hold on to the vision that God's given you, the dream that he's put within your heart. You have to do that. Go ahead and start playing, please. This is going to be a little different. What happens next is up to you. The Bible says to enter into his courts with praise, to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And I used to always tell the youth that when they come through those youth doors, their hearts should be seeking God. Lay aside the distractions of the world because we have enough. We have pain. We have suffering. We lose loved ones. We go through things. We have struggles in life. But to me, this should be, it's funny. <laughs> the world today creates safe spaces. If you want my opinion on that, just catch me after, after church. I won't share it from here. Here's my safe space. This is it. 
This is where I can come and I can lay down. Everything, I can let my guard down, I can let my reserves down. I hate crying. I don't know if my kids have ever seen me cry at home. I raised them not to cry. Never let your teammates see you cry. Never let your enemies see you cry. Right or wrong. But when I come here, I feel safe. I don't care if you guys see me cry. I have no shame in crying before my Savior. I don't mind being broken before Him. Through the years, God has humbled me so many times. Because I was arrogant, I was young, full of myself. Sometimes I'm still full of myself, and God reminds me that He's God. Ryan, stand up, sir. Where are you at? I need you and your men to get these altars. And I want them here. Some of you and your men. Come on. If you're in Ryan's group and you're a man of his group, I need you to get up now. Move. Somebody move. Brother, come on. I want this altar over here. Now, I don't want y'all to leave. Stay. I feel like God really laid this on my heart. I was up most of the night last night. So church, this moment's yours. If God doesn't move in your life, that's your fault. God's the same yesterday and forever. He says, seek my face. Come and find me. So there was times in the Bible that the children of Israel, they failed. They made mistakes. Things happened. Life got hard. They got sold into slavery, whatever. God always had to punish them for something. But the one thing I always remember about the scriptures is that when they turned their faces back to God, the first thing they usually did was rebuild the altars. You can call me old-fashioned. I don't care. I'm an altar guy. There's three sicknesses that I faced in my life. My back is one of them. Every few years, I'll have issues with it. I have migraines occasionally. And then I get sinuses infections because I have terrible sinuses. But you know what I find funny? Two of those are like really painful. The other one's just miserable. The only place that I feel comfortable when I have a migraine or my back hurts it never hurts me to be on my knees. When I have a migraine, you can ask my family. I'll get the footstool and I kneel and I, trust me, there's some praying going on. But it doesn't hurt as bad when I'm on my knees and I, it's stupid, I know. But when I bury my head in that footstool, it, for some reason it relieves the pain. My back, getting up's another story. But getting to my knees, it does not hurt while I'm on my knees. Man, we live in a society today that they're teaching men to not be men. They have this stupid idea that a woman who wants to be a man can dress like a man, get pregnant, and then they'll try to convince you that a man just had birth to a baby. I surely hope to God y'all know that's not true. Only women can have babies, okay? But we have a society that's raising up a weak generation 
Men, I'm calling on you today to be men. And sometimes being a man means vulnerable. And this might offend some liberal women or women that women empowerment, and you just have to get over it. I don't care. But man, God called you to be the spiritual leader of your home. And if you want your home to work, then you need to lead. I ask these men to stay because I expect you to lead. Are you ready? Because that also means leading your family into the presence of God. And you may have to swallow some pride. You might have to shed a few tears. You might have to be the first one. You can stand to your feet. You might have to be the first one that needed to be headed to the altar. Because you know what? I found that in, when I do marriage sessions, I'm not a certified counselor, so I can't say I counsel. I just talk to people about marriage. I talk to women so many times, and they just want their man to be the spiritual leader of their home. They just want them to take that first step, for them to take that charge, to lead the way and say, I will take that lead. I will take that position. Now, man, this doesn't mean that you have to know all the answers and you have to be some crazy spiritual guy that can talk in 15 different tongues and shout and run around the church and whatever. I have no objections with people shouting. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. We shout, we ran, we cried. I didn't run. They did. It's not my personality. If I golly, if you want to run and that's how you worship Jesus, then you cut a lap around this church and you have it. This is a Pentecostal church. I don't care. But here's what I believe God has for you today. And this is up to you. You can stay back there. I'm perfectly fine with that. If you're not capable of getting up here, or you don't feel comfortable. I'm going to challenge you. If it's just because you don't feel comfortable, you break yourself out of your comfort zone. Because some, if you don't, God will. So the deal is, do you want him to break you out of your comfort zone? Or would you rather take that first step and do it yourself? Because trust me, he will break you out of your comfort zone. But today, I just feel like we need to have a move of God. We just need to have his presence. I want y'all to play the last song you sing. I don't even know what it's called. You know, I never can remember, Scott. And then I want you to come. If you're tired of status quo, or if you're hurting, or you're broken, or you got something in your life, maybe you feel like you're that one that's been cast into the prison. Maybe you feel like you're the one that's been forgotten. Then there's a God up here saying, I want to talk to you. I want to feel you. Men, when they come, you're going to lead. You're going to pray with them. Maybe you need to pray for some, own, some stuff in your own life. Maybe you need to pray for some boldness in your own life. I don't know what it is. Prayer workers, you're coming too. But the deal is, we can sit back here and do nothing. Or we can say, you know what? Today, God, I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I just need you. I need five minutes in your presence because I'm tired of that world and I'm tired of everything that's going on. People, I've heard it all my life, but I'm telling you, this thing's wrapping up. I don't know how soon it is, but when I see the stupidness of this world, the Bible said that they would call evil good and good evil. I just saw a pastor in Canada go to prison for opening his church. Okay? Do you ever think you'd see that in your lifetime? I didn't. So these things are wrapping up. So we have got to get on our faces before God and begin to cry out to him with a seriousness. And men, 
You need to lead the charge. You need to be the first one coming out of those seats and saying, I'll kneel before my God no matter what any person thinks. And I dare to say that your wife and your family will follow you. So men, I'm calling on you to stand up, to be the man of your home, and to meet me here.